Why, hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kinda rowdy and we've got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away That's pretty exciting, right Omega? Indeed! Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Welcome, gentlemen and ladies, to this special 1080p edition of the wrestling historian coming you in crystal clear clarity what better way to look back in the past than with crystal clear goggles joining me for this mass exodus back into the time machine are my cohort dan calachico and the great dmac Derek mcdonald uh they are going to accompany me as we go back in time back to when sports entertainment was indeed professional wrestling back when territories existed back when you can have a great idea and watch it go forward and everyone got to use their own name this gentlemen and ladies is the wrestling historian now this week in wrestling history i'm going to focus just pretty much on two days because it involved an inspired piece of booking and an inspired piece of improv okay uh yes uh, booking bookers, you know, they, they have an idea for, uh, an angle for two wrestlers. And a lot of times the great decisions are made and new stars are born. And on, on the other side of the wrestling historian, you'll see someone who is a great star, who was a great star, but on this particular day, because of something that came into his head, he took his career into a HNL whole nother level. Uh, we're going to start on June 21st, 40 years ago this week. Uh, we mentioned him last week. We uh, spent a lot of time talking about uh, my favorite wrestler uh, as passing last week. Well, June 21st, 1981 uh, would be Dusty Rhodes' second NWA title reign. He defeated Harley Race in the Omni in Atlanta, June 21st, 1981, uh, to win his second NWA championship. Now, this actually would be the second of three reigns by Dusty Rhodes, and this would actually be the longest reign of uh, Dusty Rhodes' NWA title career. Uh, His uh, first and his third one lasted only a week, but this one lasted for about two and a half months. Um, But he primarily just uh, defended the NWA belt in Georgia and Florida. But uh, on this particular day, June 21st, 1981, he defeated Harley Race to win his second NWA championship and um, beat him with a flying body press. Oh, um, whoa. <laughs> came off the top rope in Atlanta, raised his hands up and hit Harley Race on uh, almost the same move that Ric Flair used to beat Harley Race in the first Starcade. So Harley Race can kick out of every finishing hole in the world, but if you hit him with a flying body press... That the the only other bigger body press I've ever seen, and I've seen this one in person. And look him up; he re- wrestles in the Northeast and, and in the South. Ron Star, 
Yeah. Ron Star, you know Ron Star. Yeah, I was going to say, you know Ron Star. Yeah, I was going to say, you know Ron Star. Derek, I, I know you've seen him. Um, it, if you saw him, you'd be like, I, I know who that is. Uh, Mac Daddy Ron Star. Um, used to be twice the size. And at New Moon Rising in 2013, I saw him wrestling Keiko the Flying Hawaiian. And this dude busted out a flying body press onto Keikoa. And, you know, I'm filled with the show. The announcer, everybody, from me who was watching, filming it for the company, to the guy, I could hear the reaction in the back behind the curtain, and everybody watching at ringside, everyone went, huh? <laughs> it was one of the most devastating flying, flying uh, body presses I've ever seen. And it was off the ropes. He didn't he didn't jump off the top rope, but it was Lil, and I say Lil Kekoa compared to Ron Starr, again, coming off Ron Starr, and it just looked like a truck hit a hit a Pinto. It was unbelievable. <laughs> that reminds me, I remember on the Nitro, my Nitro memory is so vast, it's almost crazy. Yeah. I remember Gee, on the I wonder. Nitro, <laughs> I remember on a random Nitro, the giant drop kick rolled block. Yes. 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 And it wasn't until years later where I appreciated that because as a kid I was like, that dude just drop kicked that fat guy. <laughs> but then you grow up and you realize who Roadblock was. Yeah. And and the fact that not only did Paul get the Paul White get the drop kick in, but Roadblock took it and tumbled yeah. over yeah. the top rope like he was. Like 150 pounds. It's amazing. To this oh. day, it's, it's awesome. Boss, take it back over. <laughs> Which brings us to today. Uh, uh, roadblock. That's uh, it's not the Rochester roadblock, right? Was that big? Uh, that big? No, no. Ro- roadblock was um, uh, 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 Regal's friends Haystacks in the UK. Okay, in the UK. Not Haystacks Calhoun. That's right. much. That's Giant the southern Haystacks. guy. Yeah. Giant Haystacks uh, okay. from the UK. Who he was able to bring over the just ugliest, meanest yeah, looking bastard yeah. with the worst mm-hmm. teeth you've ever seen. Oh, I'm going to fucking kill you. You know, he'd come down the ring like that and you believed it. I thought, because when you said the roadblock, um, there was a wrestler called the Rochester Roadblock and he got his name was, do you know the story, Derek? No. Uh, there, there was a guy, three, legit 300 pounds, six foot three guy. Uh, at the Rochester War Memorial, uh, mm-hmm. when I lived in Rochester, um, this guy who wanted to be a wrestler, this is before the Indies were anything. Um, the main event was Hulk Hogan versus One Man Gang. One Man Gang was already in the ring. Rochester Roadblock uh, climbed the fence, got in the ring, because no one could stop him, and just proceeded to beat the shit out of a one man gang. <laughs> Hogan, who was on his way to the ring, uh, saw this happening, uh, and Hogan, of course, being you know a big pussy, instead of helping <laughs> out his fellow, which is a, the a rule number one in wrestling, yeah. if a fan jumps in the ring, everybody jump on him because they don't know if he's got a gun and knife. Or Not whatever. me, brother. Uh, no, Hogan ran, ran back to the dressing room to get help. But that was what gave him, and that because there was no internet. That was all word of mouth, and it was in the local papers and everything like that. But that's how he got his name. And he, when he broke into wrestling, he was a Rochester roadblock. That's awesome. Uh, and of course, he was the shits as a wreck because he didn't have any formal training. 
Um, and everyone knows <laughs> any was a tough guy. He's one tough guy contest, but being a tough guy, being a professional wrestler, can do a completely different thing. I mean, so, you tell the guy who beat up one man gang he can't train. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, by the way, before you go on, Craig, just for a side note, you do your thing. I have our two what ifs. Perfect. Okay. And they are goddamn doozies. So do and your thing. I'm going to do my thing right now because we're, we're hitting on today in professional wrestling history. And this happened uh, 39 years ago in an inspired piece of booking. Uh, Ted DiBiase, uh, 19, this is 1982, Ted DiBiase, number two, the number two babyface in the Mid-South, had a red-hot feud going with Big Bob Roop. Bob Roop, uh, uh, Olympian, legit uh, college athlete, but just a big burly guy, was North American heavyweight champion. And Ted DiBiase had a contract with Bob Roop to face him in a loser-leave-town match for the North American Heavyweight Championship scheduled for today, June 23rd, 1982. The thing is, two days earlier, Junkyard Dog, the number one babyface of Mid-South, defeated <laughs> Bob Roop for the North American Heavyweight Championship. But see, the contract that Ted DiBiase signed wasn't for Ted DiBiase versus Bob Roop in a loser leave town match. It was for Ted DiBiase versus the North American champion for in a loser leave town match. So the number two babyface had to go up against the number one babyface, Junkyard Dog. Make matters worse, Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase are best friends. For the purposes of this angle, they even broke kayfabe just this once to reveal that, in fact, Junkyard Dog was the best man at Ted DiBiase's wedding. They even showed the, the wedding photos on Mid-South TV to play up the fact that these two men were close. They both gave impassioned interviews talking about Ted said, I, you know, I had no idea. I thought I was facing Bob Roop. And uh, but now that I know it's dog, the, the North American championship is still at stake. And I didn't want to lose or leave. So I know what's at stake. If I lose, if I, lost, if I lose, I have to lose. I have to leave town. But uh, we're just going to have to see who the best man is and junkyard dog gave an interview which fans of junkyard dog need to see his interviews in mid-south because if you just remember the junkyard dog in the wwf just as a barking growling fool you're missing out on the guy who gave gr a great promo and he talked about being best friends with ted and being the best man at his wedding and wanting nothing for the best for him but also, you know, what I love both about Ted DiBiase is that he's a competitor. He didn't want to change his stipulation. He knew, you know, he signed for a loser league town match, so we both know what's at stake. So the number one and number two babyfaces come in the ring. The fans are split. They're cheering both men. They have their uh, opening, you know, catch-as-catch-can style. Uh, no one getting clear advantages. No rules are being broken. The audience is applauding every rope break. They're, you know... Dog knocks DBIC down, helps it back up, vice versa. Everything is going great. Um, dog tries to duck under, go behind, and TBIC gets thrown out of the ring. Okay. Dog helps DBIC back in the ring. While this is happening, the, the referee um, well, also was helping DBIC back. And then Ted, while the referee wasn't looking, reached into his tights and pulled out what would be his trademark for the next five years of his career, the leather fingerless loaded glove. 
He hits JYD. Down he goes. The fans are screaming. Counts one, two, three. Ted DiBiase is a North America champion. Junkyard Dog, the most popular wrestler in the territory's history, now has to leave Mid-South. And Ted DiBiase, for the first time in his career, turns heel. And he never looked back. I was going to say, and the the rest is is And what was best about that that, uh, match, it's available on YouTube, I've watched it many times, is Bob Roop was on commentary, running down both men. Watching, oh, this is horrible. Both of these guys, and but when Ted hit, knocked out Junkyard Dog with a loaded glove, Bob Root put them both over. Said that there's something in that glove. Nobody can knock out the Junkyard Dog with one punch. Ted DiBiase is a snake in the grass. I knew it. I knew that snake in the grass. So, but yes, an inspired piece of booking made by the great Ernie Ladd because. Ernie was a booker back then, and uh, Ted DiBiase and Ernie had always been looking for a, a heel to go up against Junkyard Dog, and he had tried he had Bob Roop, and he had uh, tried other you know big guys, Kamala, and uh, but he was looking for a, a, a dynamic young heel. And then one day, Ted DiBiase knocks on when Ernie's was staying at a hotel, knocked on Ernie's door, and said, "Ernie, I found your new heel," and. And you're going to land on me. And Ted goes, you're looking at him. And Ernie just looked him up and down and said, yes, I am. <laughs> and that's when he and Ted to be asked, he told me that story personally. Um, but and that's where how no, the no. Uh, that, insp- <laughs> that inspired piece of booking. Uh, what a great booking mind can do, how you can turn a number one and number two baby face, make it an angle or make it into a, something out of nowhere. Ted DiBiase comes a heel for the first time and goes on to redefine his career. And while the Junkyard Dog is still the most popular face, baby face in the history of Mid-South, Ted DiBiase became the most popular, most popular, the most bankable main event heel in the history of the main of the Mid-South. He sold out arenas, not only against Junkyard Dog, but against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, against Jake Roberts, against uh, Terry Taylor. Uh, when as far as heel in the South, and he did the same thing in Georgia when he, he took the, the loaded glove gimmick to Georgia against Tommy Rich, against the Armstrongs, um, uh, against uh, Buzz, Brett and Buzz Sawyer. Uh, Ted DiBiase redefined his career by turning heel that on this day, January 23rd, 1982, and never looked back. That's an inspired piece of, piece of booking. An inspired piece of improv would come later on on that same day. Uh, but first, I want to go, uh, unless on today, 1994, June 23rd, 1994, uh, was the WCW Clash of the Champions 27. Um, it wasn't that uh, WCW champion Ric Flair beat international champion Sting to unify the belt. But earlier in the card, uh, Johnny B. Bad defeated stunning Steve Austin. You remember him, Derek? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Beat Stunning Steve Austin by a disqualification. That was in 1994. Exactly two years later, 25 years ago today, gentlemen, mm. the WWF King of the Ring, fourth annual King of the Ring, in the finals, Jake the Snake Roberts lost to Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
After the bout, yeah, right. Austin, in an inspired bit of promo, complete improv. You talk about your Bible verse. You talk about your John three sixteen. Austin three sixteen means I just whipped your ass on this date twenty five years ago today, gentlemen. Austin three sixteen was born. The, the beautiful thing about that, and I'm going to go to Derek on this one. Um, the beautiful thing about that is, is you forget that. Austin had his lip ripped open by Mark Merrow. By Mark Merrow. years earlier was Johnny B. Bad. Yes, exactly. They each other two years to the day. Yes, exactly. Busting his lip wide open. And he's like, well, I'm about to win King of the Rings. So got to go. <laughs> gets it closed up. Gets back right before the right before he's going to go out. Yeah. Uh, Ted DiBiase cut a promo on you. What did he say? Uh, something about uh, something about the Bible. He goes, "Okay, got it." Yeah. <laughs> Does the match? It's going to be quick. Does the thing? Literally like that. That was it. It was born. Austin yeah. three sixty. And and speaking of never looking back. Yeah. yeah. Right. Look back. Yeah. Um. It's, it's <laughs> funny sidebar. It wasn't till two thousand and eighteen, maybe, maybe even last year that I realized that Mark Mero was a white man playing a <laughs> little Richard character. My whole life I thought Mark Mero was, was, was African-American. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, the balls <laughs> and 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 you, 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 you want to get worse, Derek? Uh, he's Jewish. Oh, see, <laughs> the, the, the balls on WCW in the mid-90s. Yeah. Is hey, hilarious. is that blackface? It no. was... He's um, he's no, he's tan. He's just he's, he's a dark. Tan. He's a dark yeah. skin. Uh, okay, yeah. uh, okay. Uh, I'll no, take your words for it. No, he's Jewish. No, he was. No, he's yeah. not black. But he's just he's really a dark. Tan. Yeah. Um, the most memorable thing I remember from that Austin three sixteen thing was uh, I remember right before he said Austin three sixteen, he goes, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe Jake can go in the back find a cheap can of Thunderbird and maybe he can find some of that pride he used to have and the disgust <laughs> on Michael Hayes' face. face. He is son of a bitch. <laughs> he's like, come on, there's no need for that. He's like, shut up. But um, yeah, talk, like you said, he, he took very little knowledge of a promo and became the biggest star that this industry has ever seen. It's it's crazy what can happen when you take the reins off of guys, you know, and let them be themselves, huh, Vince? It's funny yes. how that happens. It's funny how you, you want people that you want characters, but you, you give them a whole page of scripts to read and to recite rather than just say, hey, this is who you are. This is who you're facing. And why should we care? Go. Yeah. You know, why, do you, exactly. why do you hate? Why do you hate this guy? Go. Or what is this? You, what this guy had something you want. What is it? Let, let me hear it. Um, yeah, and it's it's amazing how back then, even when I was just talking about Ted DiBiase and and, uh, and Junkyard Dog, they're two best friends, but they have to fight each other in a loser leave town match for the North American Championship. Go, that's it. Yeah. I don't need anything written for me. We the fans know that we're best friends. Everyone has been following our career since we've been here. They're cheering for us both, but one yeah. of us is going to turn on the other. Okay, so yeah. there you go. We don't there we you don't need writers. You need a guy like Stan Lett, standards know. and practices and publicly traded TV television companies have ruined the promo. Yeah, more mm -hmm. than anything else. Yeah, but Ernie Ladd said, "All right, you're my y'all, you're my baby face." Go. That's what Dusty did. Dusty did the yeah. same thing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I need you to tell me why you want to order Starcade in five minutes. Bye. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah but, don't care how you get there. Just get there. Yeah, with Dusty, would uh, would he bring Jim uh, Jim Cornette and all the managers in to do promos for other towns? They just have a list. Okay, you're Columbus, Georgia. You know, Atlanta, Dauphin, Alabama. Go. When we come to Dolphin, Alabama, Rock and Roll Express, you know, we're going to go through through you like Godzilla through downtown Tokyo. Bam. That's it. And you go through the next one. And that's all they needed. This, yeah. this is where you're going to be. Plug the local. If there's a local network or a local station, use that in the ID. But other than that, but yes. So then this week, for this week in wrestling history and pro wrestling history, we see an inspired piece of booking and an inspired piece of improv. Which made, which is what made professional wrestling professional wrestling. You have a, a a person who was in mind a good angle, and you have a person who was in mind for a good character going forward. And that's how we had one of the greatest heels of all time, Ted DiBiase, turned heel on this date, 39 years ago, and one of the greatest heels of this generation, a game changer in professional wrestling, become this man on this date 25 years ago. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. Thank you, Craig, very much for the trip back. Um, gentlemen, I have two what ifs. Okay. Let's not overthink these. <laughs> Impossible. I'm, no, I'm, I'm saying that because one of them's kind of, oh, okay. And the other one's like, oh, fuck. I don't know. Um, a million things. Mm-hmm. The first. What if Shane McMahon had bought the UFC instead of Fertitta Brothers? Instead of one of the Fertitta Brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go to our guest first, Craig. Uh, His name's Derek. (laughs) Um, That's a good question. It's it's weird because if, if, and I have this conversation a lot, with a lot of the MMA fans that I know who don't like wrestling. But if you look at the business plan of UFC today and the way they promote their top fighters, it's basically WWF slash E. That's basically what it is. Um, If Shane would have brought them, there's a good chance they're probably not around right now, I would think. Um, you think it would have? I, 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 my mind immediately went to Derek of uh, a, a consolidation with Vince. Yeah, that's what would happen. I think he would have had a hard time getting into where he wanted to be. And Vince was like, "Oh, well, Shane, uh, let me help you out." And then it's some, some way somehow gets assimilated into Vince's idea. And if it's around, it's nowhere near what it is today. Um, so yeah. That was a good. That was a good one. That's a, yeah. I, I don't. But I agree. I don't want. Uh, Amber has made an appearance. Uh, Mister Lagans, uh, take over. Uh, what What do you think? Shane McMahon buys uh, UFC instead. Uh, I agree with everything that Derek said. Uh, I don't. Okay. Think good night, a, everybody. No, <laughs> no, I I don't think it's a UFC anywhere. Uh, would resemble what it what it does now. I think it would be a lot more. Uh, theatrical i think it would be a lot more um variety show like i wouldn't say there would be backstage skits so much but there definitely would be a lot more the characters that they have uh xfl yeah 
but someone yeah. like a someone like a George St. Pierre, someone like uh, a, a Connor, someone like um, a, a Dan Severn would 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 probably get some type of of media training first, mm-hmm. or or that or try to be seen as more than even though Dan Severn he was t- to me he was a Mike Tyson of UFC. He didn't have to talk, you know. Yeah. But and and if that were the case, they would probably get him a manager, someone who did all the talking for Dan Severn. And you you would see UFC personalities that would never step in the ring, but were be synonymous with UFC because they would be the ones hanging outside the cage or doing all the talking for their fighters. Um, I think just like with anything that if Shane had gotten, I think Vince would have put his hands all over it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, to the point where nothing really could be Shane's. Uh, without the uh, the Vince stamp of approval or the final say, so I I love that it's very intriguing, and um, that's a that's a good what if because I now I'm I'm thinking about that now, and I'll probably come back to this question next week. Yeah, good. Well, we're gonna probably have to come back to this question next week uh, again as well. Mm-hmm. This one's a more obvious one, but I know Darren's been sitting on this one. What if WCW won the Monday Night War? Uh, won by meaning... Meaning uh, the ratings were so... I, I'm going to interpret, but I'm assuming he means the, the opposite. The ratings were so bad on the USA that USA cuts the contract with WWE. WWE doesn't have TV because it's a little different if WWE goes out of business because... While the WCW was technically owned by a television company and AOL Time Warner and that whole clusterfuck that happened in the early uh, 2000s, uh, Vince has options if USA goes, you're out of here. Yeah. But let's start th- that starting point. USA says we're dropping WWE mm-hmm. before wow. he even gets a chance to go on Spike. What happens? Craig, you go first. We'll go to Derek last on that one. Well, it's it's a great question, but for WCW to win, a lot would have had to have gone right, which yeah. means a lot. Not hiring of, Vince Russo. A, a lot of, of, of decisions would have had to have been second-guessed, namely um, letting uh, – even just something as simple as letting Goldberg do ER. Uh, they had to create – ER was the number one show on, on television. And they created this character named Cornberg because they didn't want Goldberg to go on the show. So why not have your your most popular wrestler on the number one sh- network show on television? That just that's just well, one of the there, many. Well, yeah, and there's your first thing. Uh, Goldberg yeah. never loses. Yes, Goldberg never loses. Sorry, ever. It's, it's another thing. Not to not to anyone. Um, you bring Bret Hart in and you make him your world champion without on a, if you put him in the three way with Sting and Hogan. And uh, you put him over Hogan, or even put him over Sting, and have how dare you? But yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. Hogan, I understand. I'm totally kidding. But that way, well, whoever doesn't get pinned, or you you put him over Hogan, and that way Sting mm-hmm. never gets pinned, and so you have Sting versus Bret Hart, your dream match for next year. So uh, WCW wins by doing. By undoing all the stuff they already so did. So goddamn mad! I never got a legit sting, Bret right. Hart, without Man. some stupid pretense like yeah. Halloween Havoc '89 or Mayhem, bastards. Or even uh, the 
there was a oh god, what the hell was his name? He was a the uh, he was a NCAA uh senior bowl quarterback. I forget his name. I want to say Christian Ponder, but it's not it. Oh, um, 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 he just passed away. Um, yeah, uh, he, uh, the guy on the Panthers. Yeah, Kevin Green. No, uh, he was a quarterback. Not Kevin. Oh, Green, the quarterback. Um, quarterback. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. But he 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 asked. He he sent a letter to Eric Bischoff asking if he could wear an NWO shirt. Um, and Eric Bischoff said no. The guy, does he, he wins senior bowl, he wins the MVP, and he's on TV throughout the whole, the rest of the afternoon on ESPN. He could have been wearing an NWO shirt. But just stupid shit like that. Or even just saying, oh, Mick Foley's going to win a championship. Um, causing everyone to turn a channel. Um, so for WCW to win, that's a, that's a loaded what if, because so many things would have to go right. And for they would have to continue to go right in order for WCW to increase the 83-week-in-a-row lead. But if for that to happen, though, yes, Vince has options, but I don't see how long WCW could keep going. And they don't even have to win it every week. No. It's just got to be competitive. And again, let's preface this by saying that people on the internet today argue about ratings that got WCW kicked off of TNT. Uh, 20 years ago. Just wanted to put, put that out there. Uh, yeah, I, um, I think uh, my, uh, believe it or not, and I know uh, Darren thought this were big ones, but based on history and everything we had, and I'll let Derek close the show out on this one. Um, my answer is simple. Vince finds another network and decimates them because he's mad. Yeah, and, and that would have been my answer if Hogan had stayed in the AWA. I think Vince still comes out on top. Because yeah, eventually some- Vince would have been pissed and been done, yeah. done shitty Vince and, ne- and necessary promoter stuff to kill these people in the reigning. You know what I mean? In yeah. business. It would have been mm-hmm. done. Eventually it would have been over. Uh, that's just my feeling. And and, I, and this comes from a WCW mark. The only other WCW mark is as Mark is as Mark Mark is me is Derek. And Derek's going to answer that question now. What do you think? Um, as far as I think, and you said it, um, I always tell people WCW was a business to Bischoff. Uh, WWF was Vince's fam. That's his family business. His father built that. Um, so you, I think he would have found another channel to, to, to go on. And once he got there, it would have been all systems go. And he would have tried to rip Bischoff's uh, throat out. Um, if he got kicked off USA, it, Oh my God. Vince would have kicked the door open in the centrum for Slambury 98, punched him in the goddamn balls. Whatever he could have done. Anything. You're right. That was it. And we talk about the mistakes with WCW. I mean, Goldberg losing, um, building Sting up for a year for him only to win the title. So for him to take a clean pin on your biggest pay per view ever. (laughs) All Nick Patrick had to do was count faster. That's it. Oh. um, to, to things like, I remember when Buff broke his neck and they did this whole thing where he was faking that he was hurt and then they had him join the NWO again when all you had to do was turn him babyface and you had a hot new young babyface of Buff Bagwell. Oh. Yes, but you put Scott Steiner and Buff at the yeah. 9 o'clock hour against Raw, and I'm staying on Nitro. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. uh, again, that gave birth to my favorite. Kelly and I will mention it once a goddamn month. My favorite cheap heat. I'm sorry, Mick Foley, all due respect, ever. 
in the history of wrestling is a long minute and a half intro of Scott Steiner, the referee on the bike, and Buff Bagwell <laughs> takes a minute and a half to get it down to the damn ring. He gets to the ring, grabs the microphone, and just says, We don't like Wichita. <laughs> Shut up! Shut up! And then hands the mic to Scott, and then he babbles for 20 minutes. He he was I think they but you're right Derek but you're you, but you're right he was so entertain I mean even with something as small as vicious and delicious with Scott Norton he was so entertaining <laughs> and and whatever they gave him and I think what happened was they fell in love with the older guys and like there's no reason why the NWO stayed a thing for so long it it, it even if you wanted to say hey look Sting beats Hogan. He starts on dissension in the NWO, and then somewhere down by that summer of '99, I mean it was '98, they break up. Like it, they fumbled so many opportunities from Goldberg to stay. They had the hottest free agent in all of professional wrestling, Bret Hart. In his debut, he just walks out, smiles, stares at Hogan, and they go off TV. That's how you did. And and he just walked. He just walked into your show. He was the world champion who had never been pinned on the other channel. And you just had this man walk into your company and stare and do nothing. It didn't look like an idiot because Sting got beat cleanly at Starkey. And you and it's, you make him a referee and uh, a three-man three <laughs> make. Why not just have him come in and say, hey, I've never been beaten. I'm still a world champion. So if you want to have this bout between Sting and Hogan, it's got to include me if you're talking about a world championship match because – I'm still a champion. Jim nuts. It would have been if that happened, he goes over on his first starcade, his debut match. And he just becomes the prick heel that he can be over sting mm -hmm. with Hogan still mm -hmm. being, in my opinion, the best heel it's ever. Yeah. As yeah. Hollywood as the heel. I, I, to this day, to my hand to Bill Hicks, mm -hmm. um, I, I think heel Hogan. I hate Hulkamania. I've always hated Hulkamania. Anybody who knows me knows this and will back verify it. I thought it sucked. I even remember being that young when he came into the company going, oh, this is cool. And then the main event for Starcade was him and Beefcake. I'm like, but, but, <laughs> what about Vader? <laughs> but, what the f <laughs> You know, like, I just, I never, but Hollywood, I was. I was cool with Hollywood. And I don't even care that he came out every show and killed 20 minutes yapping and it didn't make any sense. It didn't matter because he was a prick and he was playing a prick. And it, you know that thing that also says where it's just me multiplied by a thousand? There's Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He's a prick multiplied by a thousand. That's it. End of story. But you have that still against Sting the Uber, the guy that has just been quiet for 17 months, not get the title at Starcade. And Bret Hart's like, fuck you. Yeah. And Hogan turning heel enabled everyone that hated Hogan to finally cheer for him. Yeah. And, oh, I still hated him. You, you, once you after Steve Borden, it was over. Right? And and you have Bret who what was he heel from? What was that? April of ninety of ninety seven to when he left in November. Those promos he cut as like Hill Canadian Bret are still some of my favorite Hill promos. They're amazing. Ever. They're that's another, it's one of the greatest evolutions of wrestling to watch him cut the promo when he's just starting to win the title at, at, in 91, 92. Yeah. And yeah. then 
right at the beginning, 96, 97, completely different person. On the yeah, he, he went he went from, you know, holding the belt up and going real dreams come true to saying, you know. If you're going to give the United States an enema, it stick the hose right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> He's like, it's the pits. Like, this, he was he was so good. And you, and you could have him come in. And if Hogan being Hill was starting to get stale, you have a guy in Brett who was so hated by American wrestling fans that Sting could have kept being a strong baby face. And who knows, if you put him in there with Sting and Hogan, maybe the fans start to like Hogan again as the cool hill a la Steve Austin and Bret Hart from earlier that year. I mean, because it did kind of happen for Hulk yeah. in 99. People were like, fuck Ric Flair. Uh, yeah. That one match, they have it uncensored. Like when you retrospectively, people complain about the booking. That was booked brilliantly to where they get to the uncensored match between Rick and Hogan, and he hulks up for the first time since '96. You're like, "Whoa!" They they're cheering yeah. for him. Well, Rick's screwed. It's over now. <laughs> Imagine if they had everything we just talked about behind that, and it would have been it's, uh, it's the I, worst I, I, mistake they made, Derek. And Craig, I think you'll agree with me. And again, this is coming from the biggest thing mark in the room. I think giving him the title was the worst thing they did. Yeah, the thing was make was becoming that that big uh, transcendent uh, baby face that he didn't need the championship. Yeah. Kind of like the the Road Warriors or Andre the Giant. What a cushy career you had in 97 and 98 where you literally came out, had a crow, or stared at a guy with a bat, and left. But he ate, and he didn't speak for an entire year. Seven, seven, 17 months. 17 months. 17 months, yes. And you build that. So, yeah, so he didn't have to win the championship to be the most popular wrestler in, in either company at that point. Yeah, it's 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 almost like they weren't listening to crowd reactions because <laughs> no, like even if let's take Lex Luger, Luger would get Please. anybody. It, it could be a, a star, it could be a enhancement talent. He got a guy up in the rack, and the place would explode. Mm-hmm. And I still remember when he beat Hogan on that random Monday before a Roll the Wild, and he beats Hogan. And everybody comes in. Yeah, everybody comes in the ring and they're wiping the, the spray paint off the belt. He's up on his shoulders and it's like he looks like he could be a megastar. And then you have him lose the Hogan six days later. And then he's just the guy after that. Yeah. It can never happen. Yeah. I would love to elaborate on this uh next week. I'm sure Craig will have an afterthought that will kick off again. But Derek, we have to have you back yeah. as soon as yeah. humanly possible, please. Yes, I, I have a lot of WCW frustration in me from ignoring Chris Jericho and the cruiserweights, all that stuff. It's all built up inside. We of were me. talking about that last night. We were just talking about it. I forgot. Oh, we're watching the uh, McFoley bi- biography, and we were talking about it last night. And I said, to this day, the because uh, I was telling Kelly about from March 2nd, 1998, <clears throat> to the last Raw after the Invasion angle ended where Ric Flair came back to WWF. I had every Nitro, Thunder, Saturday Night, Worldwide, Pro, and Pay-Per-View recorded on VHS. All of them. All of them. 
to the Nitro, uh, to the Rawls and the SmackDowns to the, through the evasion angle. When Ric Flair came back and said, that consortium, let's be, we're partners. Yeah. yeah. I had all of that and I don't have them anymore. And I kicked myself at night every night before I go to bed, like, you're an idiot. Good night. Um, but on those tapes, there was one time, there's one time in all those years that I turned off Nitro. And it's when that clock turned off. Mm. You see me on the tape. Whatever's on Nitro, you go, boom. And it was that moment I said, <clears throat> I remember even at the younger age, you know, preteen, you know, not preteen, mid teens, I didn't know anything. I was like, wow, this is probably bad. <laughs> you might have dropped the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. yeah. I, I I can go on a Chris Jericho rant. Well, well, yeah, we'll we'll do it. next time. You come on, I will make it a point. Remind me, we'll yeah. talk about Chris Jericho and the botch WCW and our favorite moment, which Craig and I still have etched in memory, and it's Slambury '98. We will talk yeah. about it. Oh, always oh, running down the cruiserweights. <laughs> no, but, uh, that Derek, and the moment, the moment. Oh, yeah. uh, Derek, uh, he he wrote in his. In his uh, his first book, Chris Jericho says, "Still the loudest pop he's ever gotten in his career, louder yeah. than when he debuted in in WWF, louder than when he faced The Rock or in the the Superdome. The loudest he's ever heard was a cruiserweight battle royal with Dean Malenko unmasked as Cyclope and won the cruiserweight championship." Oh. That's not Dean Malenko. That's that's not Cyclope. Yeah, that's not Cyclope. That's Dean Malenko. Oh, can you imagine? Being the booker, hearing that pop, and the next week, next day on Nitro, going, "Oh, let's not do anything with that." Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> let's have Hogan. Let's have Hogan and Nash argue for another hour on screen, and Macho Man say uh, incoherent uh, shit. Oh my god! <sighs> Whatever. Uh, you can find Derek on in the room on the VOC Nation Radio Network, vocnation.com, on all your fine podcasting app. You type in the VOC Nation Radio Network, you will also find our older episodes. They were our home away from home for a while. But we're back with our own network. Um, it's VOC Nation Radio Network. And thank you, Darren, for the what ifs, because we're probably going to be bringing that back up. Craig, you there. where can people follow you? You can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. All social media platforms and Twitch and YouTube. Type in DanLaw83. The HIC Talk Radio Network is on your, like I mentioned before, for, VO, for VOC, all your finest podcasting app. You type in the HIC Talk Radio Network. Look for that brand spanking new, new red and black logo. Hit subscribe, hit like, hit follow, share, tell all your friends. I thank you very much. Everybody, thank you, Derek McDonald, for coming on and, and chatting with us for a few hours. And thank your wife for allowing you to do it. I, had a bunch, uh, yeah. I also thank, thank my wife me. for allowing me to do this. Uh, I thank Amber for allowing thank Craig to do this. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, good night, everybody. We'll see you uh, next week. Is Nerd Herders? Um, Nerd Herders. Good night, everybody.